0: Honor every so now and then, every so now and then, to be able to um, get to just share my heart with you, and so today is one of those days. Um, I wanted just to give you a few announcements. I felt like Pastor Scott over there um, with his iPad; he's always putting stuff down during worship, and that's what I was doing. So now I understand why. I just want to remind you that today is Pastor Mary's last Sunday. She is downstairs this morning partying. I think she should be crying, but she's partying. And um, so I just wanted to remind you of that, so that if you see her, give her a hug, um, tell her how much you love her. Uh, They will be moving, I heard her tell someone this morning, not tomorrow, but the next Monday is the day they're moving. So you might ask her, does she need some help? Um, You know, they won't ask for help. So maybe ask, do you need help loading a truck? Um, You don't have to move them because they're moving to Maine, unless you want to make the trip, I guess. But... Um, you'd, maybe maybe they need something and we just need to check on them and make sure they're good I also wanted to mention Pastor Shelby Today is Pastor Shelby's last Sunday as officially um, our worship pastor We're hoping that she still leads worship on occasion I am hoping she still wor- leads worship on occasion So I've got her a gift Pastor Shelby Hobble on up here <laughs> That's what I tell people You should go first and so, this morning, as I was um, thinking about her on my way to church, and um, I just thought, you know, we need to recognize Shelby, um, because we love her. I don't know about you, but she's more than just Pastor Shelby. to me. she is my... That card's not important. I didn't write it, that one this one. Um, the, uh She's my friend, you know, and she is so great. And I was telling the, the congregation this morning, that's where all the men were, by the way, was first service... Um, that one thing that um, Pastor Scott always said, and he just said it to me recently, was Shelby is like working with a peer. She has got it together. She knows what she's doing. Um, she is encouraging. She lifts me up. She she uh, she throws ideas my way. She helps me with what I need. And, and so for him, it was just this season of working with a peer, and it was so great for him. And for me, I just have a friend, and so I bought her this succulent today, and I hope you like it because you have one now, and because um, I don't like cut flowers. Have you heard pastors say that? Because they die, but he still gets them for me just to fight, but anyway, um, I bought this succulent today because it kind of shaped like a heart, but the reason I bought it was because I wanted her, and I've told her this this morning, to hang it up, and every time she sees it, I wanted to remember how much we love her. How important she is to us, and um, how much we uh, are going to miss her. And then every time she waters them, um, for her to remember how much she's watered us, and how much she's poured into us, and taught us. Um, I've led worship for years and years, and I learned so much. How many years have you been here? Three and a half, four years. And the three and a half, I have learned so much more. And so she has poured into me. And so if you'll just give Pastor Shelby a hand. Tell her how much you love her. You. You, can you can keep it this time. Oh, I'll come down there. Um, that'd be great. And If you really want to tell her how much you appreciate her, sign up for her conference this Friday, uh, Saturday. Um, it's forty dollars. That's nothing. Um, I am at that age. I'm. I'll, I'll be fifty next year. I know you cannot tell. <laughs> and if you thought fifty, that's all you are. Don't tell me. Just let me believe the lie I live in. And. Um, and I have questions. I don't know about you um, women my age, but I really, <laughs> it's like my body has a mind of its own. So I have questions, and I am excited about being there, and I have opted to have the one-on-one time with the, the smart people to tell me things I need to know. Um, this morning, you see I'm standing in two shoes. I'm S. Amen. I went to the doctor on Monday. Um, I was only 10 weeks after my surgery, my foot surgery, and he said, Your foot is healed. You can, you can walk. And I said, Great. I said, Can I drive? He said, As soon as you go buy these really ugly shoes. Those aren't the words he used, but that's what the words I want to use after I saw the shoes. That he, and I did go buy them and wore them all week. But today I have cute Birkenstocks on because um, I can't wear them. Tennis shoes, they've got the heels, the soles like this on them and I just couldn't do it so um, but the doctor does say that's why I'm moving a little bit slow Um, I'm trying to take it easy while I'm sitting down but I feel really good the first three days was horrible walking on my feet I was scared to death that my feet were going to hurt forever and um, when we got home Thursday uh, I walked into the house past my car that hasn't been driven you know in three months and I said I'm going for a drive and he said okay And I went and I washed that baby and I vacuumed it out and I drove it really, really fast. And that was healing. (laughs) If you need to try it, not my car, but yours, you can try it. It was a great feeling. Um, I like to drive and I like my car. It's sitting right out there if you would like to view it. But um, I was so excited. And it's just something about that freedom to be able to do. Maybe you don't know that pastors had to drive me everywhere for three months and just that freedom. The next day, he left town, and I went shopping, and that was more therapy. And we're all doing good, and I'm expecting great things on my feet. Uh, so uh, we're going from there. So this morning, I get to speak to you um, because Pastor Scott is gone, and I am um, excited to talk to you about why am I so tired? Um, I know that you say, well, you have the answer to that. Not really. I have some questions. I made some suggestions, some reasons why. But um, in today's society, we're all so tired. And a lot of times we think it's just because we need a vacation. But I've got some other reasons why I think we're tired. It was just a couple of weeks ago I was sitting in Pastor Josh's truck. We had borrowed it to haul some furniture uh, Marlene Cormuller had given a bunch of furniture before she moved to my brother-in-law, John. And so Scott, John, and I had went and picked up the truck, and we had went and got furniture, and we had hauled it over to the storage unit to put in for him. And um, I didn't have to lift anything, and my knees had been inflamed. All of a sudden, um, being on the boot, I was walking, but the boot, my knees hurt so bad, I could barely bend them, and I was just done. It was the last side effect of it. I have arthritis in my knees and it just flared up. And I was sitting in the truck while they went back and forth and scrolling through Facebook because nobody can just sit there quietly and not do anything. So scrolling through Facebook and I came across um, a video of the Easter singers, the Easter sisters singing Rise Again. Now, first service, I ask, who does not know the song Rise Again? And people raise their hand. Okay. Who doesn't know the song Rise Again? And I'll rise again. Y'all don't know that song. We're going to have to sing it because that is like amazing grace. You should know that song. But I was singing. So I started singing because that's what I do. And Scott would open the back door of their truck and I'd hear him singing it and close the truck. And I'm singing it. And all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord just filled that cab of that truck. And I didn't even tell them. I don't know that they know. John's finding out now by the screen out in the foyer. And I don't know if Scott will ever know. But the presence of the Lord filled that truck. And I began to weep. And I would sing and weep. And I listened to the whole video. And that's, that's rare for me. If it's more than about 15 seconds, you've lost me. And I listened to the whole thing. And I sang. And then I pushed the, the Facebook page up with my thumb. And this picture came across the screen and that was so me i just began to sob i am strong but i am so tired and as i looked at it i began to cry and it was one of those moments that pastor scott just referred to recently where the presence of the lord just comes over you and all you can do is be in his presence there was nothing that could stop me the crying came The sobbing came and God just ministered to me. Jesus just came and poured into me. And all the while, Scott and John are hauling things to storage. And I'm sitting in the truck crying in the presence of God. And God is doing exactly what I needed him to do. He began to minister to me and I was so tired. Trying to meet all the pressures of life, including my job, the church, my family, my everyday responsibilities. And doing it all while recovering from surgery had taken its toll. And the last side effect had been the last I could do. See, I'm a doer. I'm a mover and a shaker. And I couldn't move or shake nothing. (laughs) And I was tired. And that was all the load I could carry. And it was no one's fault this time. But... Sitting in the cab of that truck, that was just the break I needed to have. I don't know if you ever have just needed a good cry. In my family, we are criers. I mean, even my boys, we are criers. And sometimes um, we just need a good cry. I remember when Scott and I first got married 28 years ago, for the first two years he thought he had really married a crazy woman because I would just cry. And finally he figured things out. And he would say to me, do you just need a good cry? And i said, say, yeah. And so he'd hold me, and I'd just cry, and then it was all over. And um, he figured out that that was very soothing for me, but I needed to have that. I needed to have that. And I wish I could say that was the only time that's ever happened to me, that it's simply due to my surgery and the emotions and exhaustion that brought me to that place. But there has been other times that I have overscheduled myself. I have overwhelmed, and I have overdone myself. There have been times that I found myself crying into my pillow or my coat or my desk or riding down the road. That's my best time to cry countless times. And that, my friends, is my fault. It's my fault that I have overwhelmed myself, that I have overscheduled myself, that I have overcommitted myself. And maybe you can relate. We all work so hard to do it all. Psalms 23, 1 through 3 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Let's say that again. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. And then it says, He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He takes me and He guides me to where I get rest if I let Him. Let me pray. God, I just pray, Father, for this message this morning. God, I know, Lord, in the cab of that truck, God, you came and you met me right there, Lord God. And you ministered to me, Lord. And then later, Lord, as I would lay and sit, Lord God, and while taking a nap, you spoke to me and said, I want you to speak on rest. And God, then this morning in our first service, you confirmed it to me. So, God, I pray this morning, Lord, as we sit here, Lord, as we sit and listen to me speak, Lord, that it be your words. And, Lord, God, that you speak to us and that you show us, Lord, what we need. Lord, the things we need to change, Lord, the things we need to fix. And, God, that you would anoint me to speak, God, and that I would say what you want me to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So I think there are three reasons. I'm sure there are many more. Uh, Daniel and Kara came up to me this morning holding the baby and said, you know why we're tired? And so that could be one. But most of us don't have a baby. So um, there are are probably lots of reasons we're tired. But there are three main reasons that we are tired besides that we don't go to bed early enough or we stay up too late. I'm just going to let that speak to you. There are three reasons. Number one. We are being very productive, but not in the right places. Have you ever went home and you thought to yourself, I got it all done today? I do. I have a list. I check it off. We are being very productive, but we're not in the right place. I've been reading a book by Lisa Turkhurst called Your Best Yes. I'm going to do a workshop on it and Um, The book basically talks about giving God your best yes. And, And then when opportunities come up, that you don't just say yes or no to those opportunities. You go to God with that opportunity and you find out if this is God's best yes for you. If this is where God wants you to be. And so... I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God speaks to you and tells you to do something and you try to figure out if it's his best yes. If God speaks to you and tells you to do something, it's his best yes. But I'm talking about when someone comes up, maybe wants you to be on the worship team. Maybe you're a concert pianist and if you are, we need to know. But maybe you are and they want you to be on the worship team. It may not be your best yes. I remember when um, this is a story the first service didn't get. I remember we first got here seven years ago. Um, I naturally just joined the worship team because that's what I do. And, um, and I remember it exhausted me. Some things happened, some deals, some things went on, but it exhausted me. And one day God's, I was complaining to God about it. And God said to me, I never told you to be on the worship team. I remember it. And he was right. I never told you to do that. Now I have been. Now he's told me I can, just FYI. I'm not being disobedient every Sunday. But, um, but sometimes, God, you may have something you want to do, but you've got to listen to what God says and where it is your best yes. And by the way, it could be your best no as well. Why do we say yes to everything that comes our way? I've got some reasons, some things that maybe these are reasons why I will always say, I always said yes. I'm learning. We want to be in the know. We want to know what's going on. We don't want to be that person that um, is always behind and doesn't know anything. When someone asks a question, we want to be able to have the answer because we want to be in the know. We want to feel included, be part of the team. I am part of that team because I'm part of this team and this team and this team and this team and this team. <laughs> That's what happens when we say yes to everything. We're scared to death we might miss something. Maybe there was an opportunity. It could even be at work. We're saying yes, 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 I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. Because there may be that promotion may come up and you might miss it if you haven't said yes to everybody. We don't want to let other people down. You know, they really need the help. And so I don't want to let them down, and they ask me to, so I guess I have to do it. Um, but that's exhausting. We try to forget our struggles and our issues, so we do it just to keep busy. That's why we say yes. In today's world, we spend the majority of our day running hectically from one thing to the other, trying to get a week's worth of stuff done in one day. That's how I work. Every Monday I go to work, and I have a list of things that I've decided I have to do this week. I make it on Sunday. I'll do it tonight, I'm sure. And then I work really hard to get it all done on Monday. Why? I don't know. I'm just nuts, I guess. I don't know. That's just what I do. And then I go home feeling like I didn't get anything done because the list isn't complete. But I don't have to do it all in one week. But that's what we do. We work frantically to get it all done. And before we have kids, we go to work. Then we go exercise. Before you have kids, you get to do that. Then you go to dinner. And then you hang out with your friends. And maybe you go volunteer somewhere. And then you fall into bed exhausted. Then you have kids, and for the next 20 years, you get them up early, you get them to school or daycare, then you get them to today's practice and all the different sport activities that you have, pick them up from practice, get them home, do dinner, do homework, go get them into bed and then stay up too late because we want our own time. Then when our kids are older and out of the house, we do all the things we couldn't do when we had kids. That's where I'm at. (laughs) I don't have to do nothing because my kids are grown Then in our senior years, we watch our kids do the same thing and wish they wouldn't do it, wish they would slow down and take some time. And I don't think that's what God has planned for us. I think that is not what God's best for us. So we are really productive. And I guess I speak to women so much, and and men, you're probably like this too, but with women, we get things done, man. We make things happen. But are we doing the right things? I think we get exhausted because we're not doing the right things. We're doing a lot of things, but not the right things. How many of you, when you realize you have a night at home with nothing to do, get excited? It's like getting gold, isn't it? At our house, we celebrate. We have dinner together and then do nothing. And we will dare you to ring the doorbell. No, I'm just teasing. You can ring the doorbell. You don't know. You're like, oh, they're home. Should we ring the doorbell? (laughs) We love having a night at home. We look for it. Matter of fact, don't tell my 20-somethings. Tomorrow's the fifth Monday, which means there's nothing. i love for them to come over, but I am so happy tomorrow night there's nothing going on. Number two, we want what is not ours. When you want something that's not yours, it will exhaust you. Because you fight and fight and fight and fight to get what is not yours. Because that's what you want. This is where I struggle the most. This is where I get exhausted the most. This happens a lot in leadership circles. And I'm sure it happens in a lot of circles you walk in, but I have a lot of leadership circles. We want what isn't ours. We, I call it our lane. And if you serve on my leadership team, and there's some that have, you'll hear me talk about that. Um, that's not your lane. Or... You need to stay in your lane, or let's all stay in our lane. That's what I call it. It's kind of like cars driving down the road. But see, what we want is we want that lane over there. You see what they're doing? You see the, um, the accolades they're getting? And I could do that. So I'm going to go be in that lane over there. But that's not where God has us. He has us in this lane here. And the more we strive to get something that's not ours because we want it, the more exhausted we get doing that. This is not cooperating. Here's some examples. You may know better than your boss, but you're not the boss. You can do it better than she can, but it's not your job. You may just want to be included so you can feel important, but it's not your place. You know, this is something preachers do. We went to network council this week, and um, we watch a worship team. And if you're, I know every one of them in the place, if you have anything to do with worship, you watch their worship team like this. Like, that's what you do. And somebody preaches, and and young people, as they get older, they're like, please don't ask me to preach. But young people, they think, I could do that. How come they haven't asked me to do it? How come they've never asked me to be on the worship team? I could sing that well. How come I can't be the leader? I want to be the leader. I have those gifts and abilities and skills and talents. I could do that. I could do it better than they could. And maybe you've never felt that way, but let me just be honest with you. I have felt like that a lot of times in my life. Not so much as I get older and realize I really can't. But I have felt that way a lot of times. Why did they get the promotion? I've been here longer, I know more, I have more certifications, I have more degrees. We run around trying to be in front or in the middle of everything so we can feel like we are important or successful or good, that we are just exhausting ourselves in the process. And then if we look up, we are exactly how we started, except that now everybody is frustrated with us. Because we've been getting in their lane. I know that this is your job over here. Your job, I'm trying to make something generic, real generic right now. Your job is to make the copies. But man, she can't make those copies worth anything. Look at that. You know what? Just get out of the way. I'm going to get in your lane and make the copies. Okay, that's generic. That's simple. But in life, that's what we do. There's something we want. I want what they have. So then I fight, and I fight, and I do everything I can. How can I be involved in anything? How can I impress the boss or impress the leaders? How can I do this? Because I want what they have. When all along God's saying, whoa, slow down, slow down. That's not what I have for you. As I told the ladies I spoke to yesterday, you're not ready for that. This is where I have you. And God says, you want what is not yours. He has set you apart. There was a book I read by Lisa Turkhurst, and I can't remember which one it was, but um, I'm not going to do it this service and get it wrong. But she talks, there's a chapter in there. She talks about how she, Lisa Turkhurst, is an author author, and a world-known speaker and Bible study writer. She's great. I love to listen to her read a book, and one of the chapters in the book she talks about being set apart. And um, she said she went to this, speak- this engagement, this conference or banquet for women like her that are in her same demographic, that are speakers and authors and um, that do this sort of thing. And she was so excited that this time she was going to go and be with her peers. She was going to sit amongst them and visit with them, and they were going to brainstorm, and they were going to just build relationships. And so she got there, and everybody had assigned seats. And so, you know, you've been to these things, and you walk around the tables like this. Hi, how are you looking for your seat? You know, hoping you don't have to sit at that table or wishing you could sit at that table. This is how we do it. And she said she looked where everyone was sitting, um, and uh, she never could find her name. And finally, somebody directed her to the other side of the room, to an empty table. And she said there were people assigned to those seats, so she sat down, kind of disappointed that she wasn't over where the energy was, but she sat down knowing that full well the table would fill up pretty soon. And the conference started and lunch was over and no one showed up. She sat at that table all alone through the whole thing. And she said as she was complaining to God, God said to her, you have not been left out, you have been set apart. And that spoke to me in an amazing way. Sometimes we think this is what we want and God says, no, you're here because I've set you apart for something else. You don't fit with this because you're set apart for something else. And so we need to realize that everything that we want may not be what God has for us. And if we keep fighting and running and running towards it, it is just going to exhaust us. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, There is a season for everything. And not only a season, but a place for everything. So I'm a Texas girl. And I love blue bonnets. They're weeds, I know. You ain't got to tell me that. They're weeds, they're beautiful. I said to my daughter the other day, Honey, she comes home. She'll be home this weekend. I'm so excited. Um, And I said to her, Bring me some blue bonnets. She said, Mom, I will go to jail. Why would she get... There's lots of them there. Just bring some home to your mama. And so one day, I got some blue bonnet seeds, and I think it was from Amanda's wedding. They gave out blue bonnet seeds, and I collected everybody's who had no idea what they were missing. I collected everybody's blue bonnet seeds, and I was going to plant some blue bonnets at my house. Um, I just couldn't hardly wait. And, of course, that's Scott's area. I don't... You don't... Know, you can get me a plant. It might live, you know, by the grace of God. But I... uh So I told Scott one day, okay, I want them right over there. So he went out there. We read the direction. You've got to put them right below the surface, and that's how they grow. And so we put them over there. He wet them all down, and I prepared to watch my blue bonnets grow. And the next day, the wind came and blew them all somewhere. Somebody's got blue bonnets, I'm sure. You know why? Because it was the wrong place for blue bonnets. Blue bonnets grow great in East Texas. They don't grow great in Colorado. That's sad, I know, but it wasn't the place for the blue bonnets. And everything has a time and everything has a place. And as you keep pushing and pushing and pushing for what you is not, doesn't belong to you, you're just going to exhaust yourself and you're not going to have God's best for you. Number three, we haven't spent any time with him. That's why we're tired. He gives us rest. Psalms 42, 1 through 2 says, As the deer longs for streams of water, I learned it in the King James, as the deer panteth for the stream. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? We run to what we crave. What are you craving? We haven't spent any time with him. You see, God is enough. He is everything. I do enough. That's sign language. See, I just did that. I can't. Sometimes I can't help it. So God is enough for us. He is all we have, all we need. When things start getting tough, we feel like we're ch- being chased by the predator. Where do we run? What do we crave? Some of us are so tired and we think we need a vacation, but what we really need is an encounter with God. I'm telling you, I had one recently in the cab of Josh's truck. An encounter with God. We are so tired and we are fighting and we are running. And we're trying to get what's not ours. And we're being productive at things we shouldn't be doing. And we are just sinking tired. And what we need is just to stop and have an encounter with God. Everything you need is in his presence. Everything you need is in his presence. Do you need to run? Run to his presence. Do you need to hide? Hide in his presence. Do you need to vent? This is my favorite. Vent in his presence. There have been many times I've had a venting session so loud in his presence. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about in worship. One Sunday when I was leading, I um, had a mini sermon. I called it. And I uh, talked about this moment that I, God spoke to me um, last fall, and I was visiting with some people I'm really close to, and, and they said, made the comment to me, uh, it doesn't matter what they said, that's not important, I don't want you to focus on that. But they said, I don't know how every day when I get home I have to do this, or I can't make it. And immediately, I mean like almost audible, I can remember the moment because I was trying to come up with a response. You Are know you a, 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 you're trying to come up with a response because you don't like what they just said? And the Holy Spirit shut my mouth and said, I am all you need. I am all you need. And I remember it like it was yesterday. God is all you need. He doesn't need you to make things happen. Whatever it is that you run to, whatever it is that you crave, whatever happens when you get overwhelmed and burnt out and discouraged and you're mad at your boss. Maybe you got a new boss. I got a new boss this week. He'll be my new boss in 30 days. I'm a little anxious. When, maybe when those things happen and, and you can't get the people to see that you're right and they are wrong. And whatever it is, where do you run? What do you do? What is your coping mechanism? You should run. You should crave the presence of God. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait, those who sit in his presence, those who have an encounter with him, will, their strength will be renewed. He will give them what they need. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Exodus thirty three fourteen. 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He didn't say my presence will hunt you down and then I'm going to force you to rest. So, not what he said. He said, my presence will go with you and then I will give you rest when you're in his presence. So why are we so tired? Because we want, we're doing stuff we're not supposed to be doing. We're volunteering in places we shouldn't be volunteering. But let me tell you something else. It could be that you're not volunteering where you should be volunteering. For those, there's some of us who say yes to everything. Well, not me anymore. I'm learning. Yes to everything. But then there are those of us who say no to everything too. And that's just as bad. Because God has a place for you. He has something he needs you to do. You have a gifting or a skill or a talent that he wants to use in your kingdom. In his kingdom, not your kingdom. He wants to use it in his kingdom. He needs you to do something. We at Church at Briargate need you. To be used the way God created you to be used. So whether you say no or whether you say yes, you need to figure out what it is God is saying for this time, for this incident, for this event, for this opportunity, God, is this your best for me? Or is this something you want me to say no to? Because we're doing a whole lot of the wrong stuff. We're tired because we want what is not ours. Your boss's job. It's not your job. And God has you in this job so you can learn what you need. So you can mature and you can grow in what you need for what is next. Whether it be your boss's job or something totally different. When we fight and fight to get what is not ours, it is exhausting. And that's why we're tired. We are so tired because we don't spend any time in his presence. And a lot of us are just too busy to do so. We've got too much going on in that number one. But I'm telling you, when you get in your, God's presence, that's when you're refreshed. That's when you're energized. That's when you hear what is the best yes for you. It's when you're in his presence. When he gives you what he needs. Will you stand with me? God, we just lift you up, God. And we just exalt you. And, Lord, I know I am as guilty as everybody else. Lord, I am guilty, Lord, of just going and doing and doing and and being and doing, not even really listening to your Holy Spirit and just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But, God, I pray, Father, this morning, Lord, that you just show us, Lord, what your plan for us is. Lord, that you help us, Lord God, to understand, Lord, that you have a best for us. You have a place for us. Lord God, and you have me here today, Lord, right here. Because, God, this is what's best for me right now, Lord. And, Lord, that we would look at our priorities and we would look at the things, Lord, going on in our life. And we would say, what do I need to get rid of? Because it's not good for me. And Lord, then we would look at ourselves and we would say, what am I wanting that is not mine? What am I running after and seeking after it that was not what you have for me? How am I exhausted? And God, then we would look and say, what am I running to? When things get tough and when they get overwhelming, what am I running to? Is it you, God? God, I pray, Father, that you just speak to us this morning. And, Lord, God, that when we leave, Lord, and as we go through our week, Lord, that you'll remind us. Remind us, God, what you're saying to each of us this morning. Lord, as we listen to your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for our men that are on their way home now, Lord, and some are very close. God, that you would just protect them and keep them this week, Lord. And Lord, what you spoke to them this weekend, Lord God, I pray, Father, that we would come 40 men, Lord, would come back and be dynamic husbands and fathers. And Lord, that they would know you are best for them. And Father, we would just give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said with me, amen. I got you out early this morning. So that makes up for, I mean, y'all got it was only 10 minutes for the first service. you are like 18 minutes early. So we're making up for the times that pastor usually goes over. So we had a man, we had a reception, Sagu alumni dinner this week and he said to me, when we walked out of the restaurant, well, got part of my tuition back. He said he comes every year just to get part of his tuition back because Sagu pays for the dinner. So that's kind of what we did this morning. We got part of your time back. But this week, as you go through your week, I believe before noon tomorrow, God's going to remind you. He's going to quicken your spirit and say, this is why you're so tired. And I just implore you, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. That way you can give your best yes to God. All right. You were dismissed.